On this Christmas Sunday morning, my text is from Gospel of Luke, as Jay just read. It's actually chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 only. We're going to focus on those two verses. Um, but in lieu of you know, surrounding text and explanation of the backdrop, I think it will be important for us to think about the theme of this morning, the message of Christmas. Is it easy and clear for us to understand and know and follow the message that Christ gives in this Christmas Sunday? And my contention this morning, it is not. There are erroneously popular messages of Christmas. Popular, yes, but extremely distorted sometimes, but confusing because it's mixed with truth. And at least there are three or four things about this um, erroneous popular messages that we hear. And sometimes we are aware of it, and sometimes we're not aware of it at all. The first characteristic is that they all seem harmless, harmlessly sentimental and good. And if you ask me, what is the fondest memory about Christmas in the past, the yesteryears of my Christmas? And I will say, hearing the white Christmas by Bing Crosby as I watched the snowfall, it was a white Christmas that day. And who could forget the message that, the sentimental message that Bing Crosby sings at the end. May your days be merry and bright and your, all your Christmases be white. Yes, it is sentimentally good, but it's not really true message of Christ, is it? Secondly, the reason why it is confusing is a syncretistic. By syncretistic, it means that the biblical truth and true Christmas is mixed with a secular culture. Um, a few years ago when we went to China, the remotest uh, city in southern China that the people have not heard the name of Jesus, but the hotel we arrived had so many Rudolph and Santa Claus and everything. But when we asked someone, have you heard the name of Jesus? You know who Jesus is. You know what Christmas is all about. have no idea. But it is really part of our culture. It's not something that black and white we separate from. As I mentioned, my, one of my favorite Christmas songs is a White Christmas. And some of you remember singing 
Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The happy ending of that song gives the warmth of our heart. But it is mixed with distractions. And, and you know, a few years ago, um, Coast 103 started playing Christmas songs right after, the day after Thanksgiving. And then this year, maybe they did it a year before also too. They're playing the Christmas carols and songs a week before Thanksgiving Day. Wow, what happened? Are they really in for Christmas? The Christian culture is deeply rooted in our Southern California. Not so. If you listen to the songs of their choice, has nothing to do with Christ, Jesus himself. And who could forget um, the weirdest controversy on Facebook or whatever the choice that you have in social media. This well-meaning Christian was protesting about Starbucks coffee cup being just completely red and no snowflakes and no reindeer and they, they were saying, Starbucks taking Jesus and Christmas away. So all Christians should protest by going to Starbucks, helping the business, you know, in the way, and say, say your name is Merry Christmas. And the people start writing, I mean, saying the names and showing and posting these pictures with Starbucks coffee cup, coffee cup with Merry Christmas on it. I will hold back. I would use this more uh, stronger language if I'm not on mic and this will be on mine. <laughs> Stupid idea. That's all, as much as you can get. What has Snowflake got to do with Jesus? But having said that, I think we need to be aware is that we are in it. This culture is part of our culture, and it is not easy to separate. Unless you become like Jehovah's Witness, witnesses that deny the Christmas and do not celebrate and make that celebrating Christmas and birthday becomes devilish. Of course not. That's weird as well. Number three, they are popular but erroneously accepted as the message of Christmas. Here is an example. Santa Claus is coming to town. And actually, ringing in my head, I was looking for some examples, and I looked it up, and this was actually written 1934 and sold uh, so many copies of music sheet back then there's no mp3 or cds available um, the original version is a little bit different but basically the message is this you better watch out you better not cry you better not pout i'm telling you why 
Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been good, you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. You could hear your singing in your head. Just the lyrics so familiar and so much fun. So I'm not here to bash and make every Christmas carol devilish at all. But I am saying it is erroneous that we need, we need to pay attention and be vigilant about the true message. Because listen to this, you know, some of our uh, children are singing, and maybe we've been singing along with it too. So Jesus came because of God's grace. And this is not grace. You be good, you get good things, and you be bad, and then you don't get anything. Saint Nicholas would be sad, who was actually bishop, who helped the poor, and in the, in the spirit of Sermon on the Mount, that he went at night to keep things anonymous, that he's giving arms, helping the poor, and dropping the things is in the name of Jesus. So by the time when we uh, conclude today's service, my goal is that every single one of us will be able to tell someone who was not in this room the true message of Christmas is this. Where should we go for that source? Of course, Luke chapter 2 but it's, it is the source that I'm telling you is that the message was important enough. It was sent by angel of the Lord. The, most scholars agree that this might be Gabriel who made an announcement to Mary that you will bear a child. So in other words, every single word in verse 11, is a choice that God made. No word is wasted here. There are three things as, as we begin to ask question, what then is the true message of Christmas? First one is this. The message of Christmas is the angel's announcement of Jesus' birth. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be all the for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Think about the simple things that the angel says, and obviously, the glory of God. In Exodus, we saw the fire and thunders, thunders and earthquakes. 
God shows up in a bright fire and a cloud, which all represents the glory of God. And then this message was important enough that no other passages in New Testament we see the host of angels, the multitude of angels singing glory to God. But one particular angel says, fear not. This is the same thing that any angel said. The presence of angelic being was so glorious and powerful, everyone fell down in fear. So they will say, he would say, fear not. But he prefaces his with his own word. I bring you the good news of great joy. Not for the selective little group of people, but for the, all the people. And that this, this good news is actually about this unique birth. In other words, the message of Christmas is the birth announcement. If we get the birth announcement right, we get the message of Christmas. Sourced by God the Almighty himself. But I'm deeply grateful for Sinclair Ferguson's insight. Just making med- med- meditating on making observation on this at a glance, because of his scripture, we might miss it. But Sinclair Ferguson notes that there is something strangely different, unique about this birth announcement. So I looked it up, I Googled it. And the sample that I got, I think it's a fictitious name, was this. When you write to a newspaper, this is a sample that you could use. We welcomed to the Lord our greatest joy, Georgia Ray, born to, think about born to Jody and John Smith, who are as happy as can be, born January 7th, 1997. And there are a few more things, like basically height, the length, and the weight. That's a pretty modern thing. So in other words, even in Jesus' days, it should have been to, to Joseph and Mary, unto Joseph and Mary, is born a son, a baby, named Jesus. But what is our text said? Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The greatest joy joy uh, that Georgia Ray brings is to, to the parents. Jody and John Smith. But Jesus' birth was unto you, unto you, unto you, and unto me. His birth was much more than 
a simple joy of his parents. His birth was for all the people. Think upon that. Let's dwell on that a bit. The reason why we don't feel the greatest joy, the great joy that this good news brings is that because we miss that personalization of God sending his own son to us. This baby was born for us, for me. Which leads to second point. The message of Christmas is that Jesus was born to us as our Savior, Christ, and Lord. Look at the three titles that Dr. Luke gives. And Savior, why is it great news? Because we cannot save ourselves. No matter how moral you are, no matter how intellectual you are, no matter how noble you are, you cannot reach the perfect standard of God and the wage of sin, which is coming short, is death, eternal separation from God. So unless we have that admission and acknowledgement that I need a Savior, this cannot be a good news because you could save yourself. But look around you, and not only the days that you are doing well, but when you hit rock bottom, when you feel like there is no hope, when you are depressed about what's happening around you, and you know that you cannot protect your children, we need a Savior. We need a Savior not from the harmful world out there only, but from our own sin. And the second title, the Messiah, um, Christ is a Greek word for the, uh, in lieu of the Old Testament word, Hebrew word, Messiah. And the Messiah and Christ has packed with the internal messages for the Israelites. Why? Because it's not all of a sudden God had impulse to save the sinners and he came down. Throughout the Old Testament, God's sovereign plan and the prophecy about coming Messiah was written all over the Old Testament. The one is uh, Isaiah 9, 6. For, uh, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are not just the titles for superheroes 
of mankind. But these are transcendent beings who is holy, who is not like us, and God himself. And that Messiah was promised and prophesied that he will be born in Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Because the Bethlehem was a city of David. Don't, don't get confused. The city of David in two ways of uh, looking at it. In Old Testament throughout the Old Testament, whenever city of David is mentioned, it referred to, most of the times, referred to Jerusalem. Why? Because David conquered the city. Difficult city. But uh, that uh, city was dedicated to God and became Zion, God's presence. And the temple was there. So most people will refer to Jerusalem, even these days, city of God and city of David. But the New Testament, the reference is to the place, birthplace of David, which is humble town called Bethlehem. And remember the prophecy about coming Messiah? The Messiah will come from the descendants of house of David. David was a king. The second king of United Kingdom of, of Israel. But the prophecy and the covenant was from your house. There will be a king who will, who will reign and rule forever and ever and ever. And obviously, David's physical family, bloodline, stopped ruling. And, and he actually referred to the coming Messiah, son of David, which is a, another title for Jesus, who will reign forever and ever. And another one, another way of looking at Christ is the anointed one. Who anoints? Who's anointed? The king. This is a messianic king. So around this time, all over the world, Handel's Messiah is sung by great choirs, ending with hallelujah. And who could forget? Even as a child, I remember being in that room, auditorium, as people, adults stand, stood, stood up, I stood together in awe. King of kings, Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he shall come. And that is the message of Christmas. One more title. The Lord... Uh, in Greek word is referring to typically master. Anyone who serves a household, the servant or slave will call his owner master. This, this word was that. But in light of once again the Old Testament throughout the scripture, the Lord in Hebrew, in Old Testament, instead of uh, the Greek word, the 
Hebrew word Adonai was used. When was Adonai used? Because a Yahweh God was so much revered, whenever they write the Yahweh, the uh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, was a substitute for his name. And they, every scribe, the people who are copying the manuscripts, will Lord will substitute the Yahweh name with Lord, with Adonai. So which means that this, this title, the Lord, is not simple, a master, a someone who is uh, revered and respected and high in social and political position. No, we're talking about Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Incarnate Deity, as Charles Wesley puts it in Hearty Herald Angels. When you think about this unique birth, the birth wasn't just the only the unique part and strange part. But as much as a glorious and charming sentimentality, you, you know, we could enjoy that. And Christmas tree, Christmas lights. And it's kind of funny that uh, uh, Kate and I were a little tired and we just end up doing the trees and there's light in the house. But there's not much of light outside. Our neighbors got really frustrated with us, kept on pressure, pressuring us. The door, the next door neighbor bought this strange light. You, have you seen those? If you, they turned it on, it kind of brings the spot everywhere. As if we're having a, they call it lazy Christmas light. It's on our, <laughs> on our wall that way. Let's get our attention back to Christ. And now I'm going to conclude with the first, the point number three, that hence the message of Christmas. Remember, this is the one that we need to share and go tell it on the mountain. And this is my paraphrase of the today's passage. The message of Christmas is this, with great joy received Jesus. God's gift for your salvation, who is your Savior, Lord, and King. All other New Testament passages points to this. In John 3.16, you never thought about this as usually Christmas passage, but it is. Essentially, this is the message of Christmas for God. So love the world that he gave his own son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have, ever, have eternal life. How about Romans 5? He came to die. He was born to die for our sins. Why, we ask? It's because of God's great love. Not a conceptual love, but demonstrative love. Romans 5, 8 
says, but God shows his love for us in that while we're yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So how do I receive him? What does it mean to receive him? It means to turn from our ways to receive Jesus, not as a, someone special, but as our Lord, as our King, who rules over my heart, my life, my family, and my church. John 1.12, but to, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you see the parallel there? To receive Jesus Christ is to believe in his name. To believe Jesus as our Savior and Lord and King. So many of you, are, this is the most wonderful season. Uh, and you love Christmas. I love too. I love you too. But if we don't do this, we're missing, amidst this syncretistic culture, the Rudolph and Santa Claus rule. And then our attention is to the new iPhone. Our sons are now finally past my grade. Uh, they upgraded past me. I, I'm a little disturbed by that. I'm only iPhone 6, and they have an iPhone 6 S. And I cried about it, and they predicted that I would go, what? Yes, I did say, what? <laughs> How shall we think about our Christmas and our time together with our loved ones and even our neighbors who do not know Jesus. And I think about my neighbors who are very celebratory in terms of decoration. But our heart, my heart aches for the fact that they do not know Jesus. They have not received the message of Christmas. And two challenges for each one of us. Will you receive Jesus as your, the, the greatest gift that you will ever get, even this Christmas? Keep your attention and focus on him, not the erroneous messages, popular, materialistic things, or even good things like gathering of family and sentimentality and being crossed with Christmas music. Second, if we receive Christmas message with great joy, we would do what shepherds did. They went out and not only find out the baby in the manger was real, but they told their, their stories. And would you do that? You don't have to be theologian to share. You know the message of Christ, a message of Christmas, that God sent his greatest gift to all of us, 
as our Savior and as our Lord and as our King. And may that joy become contagious among us. Subtle, silent, but deep, abiding joy. The only way that we could get there, even today, is to listen to that unto you. Lord Jesus, for me, be my Savior and Lord and King. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you joy of true Christmas message. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. to be our Savior and Lord and King. Though you are the highest, the most high, the everlasting Father, the King of kings and Lord of lords, you came in a humble place and lay as a helpless babe in a manger. And keep us humble worshipful, and help us to be attentive to you as the true message of Christmas, and help us to go tell all in on the mountain that Jesus, our Savior, and our Lord, King, is born. I pray that this message and the true message of Christmas would be spread because of our eagerness and our eagerness of uh, our great joy in finding you that you is actually you are actually for us and for me we pray all these things in your precious name amen